Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Fabulous. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer. Took your place, Daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Make no mistake where you are. This is it. You're back to look This is it. All right, everybody. Good morning. I'm in a mood this morning. I am in a mood, and it's because I saw Howard Simon this morning. Anytime you see Uncle Howard, you're like, hard times. Ain't no such thing as hard times, Daddy, when my man Howard Simon's in studio. But he's not going to be on the show, unfortunately. Sorry. He costs way too much money uh, to be to be trying to pull it in here on, on a sports talk Saturday. Good morning, everybody. Nate Geary here. Uh, happy to be with you. Happy to have you here on this beautiful, beautiful fall Saturday Morning. If for whatever reason you're not golfing or other leisure, if you're not playing, you know, croquet. Is it cro? Is it croquet? Because crocheting is the act of sewing, and 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 and, and you know what I'm talking. It's croquet. Yes. Croquet is with the you hit the ball yeah, through the through the thing. through the thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're not doing either of those things, I know it's Fall Fest in Ellicottville. Maybe you're down there and you just. You woke up and you're like, well, I got to get my, my Sports Talk Saturday fix in. I better turn the radio on uh, for, for the folks here in the Airbnb uh, so we can all listen to Nate in Babylon about some ridiculous thing that he did this weekend, uh, which I'm not going to do. But I am going to tell you, today is a beautiful Smoker Saturday, folks. If you don't have the smoker out, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you're waiting for. I bought four and a half pounds of pork belly. And then this morning, I woke up literally... Skinned it, got the skin off the top, put it in a little bit of a uh, little, little dry rub, put it in a Ziploc bag, threw it back in the fridge. It's uh, soaking in all those delicious, delicious flavors. I am making pork belly burnt ends today. 
So uh, very excited to do that. It's my first time making pork belly burnt ends. I've I've really dabbled with beef, poor man's burnt ends, which if you don't know is a big giant chuck roast that you can go wherever your local grocery store, grocery store, or local butcher. I got a local butcher. I don't you know nothing against the local grocery stores. I just like to go. I like to go someplace where I just watch my meat get sort of butchered right in front of me. It's just there's something to it. Um, but yeah, I'm doing that today. I'm I'm excited and I'm gonna drink some beer. Notre Dame's on tonight, so there's no way I won't be disappointed today. Um, Texas-Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry, I believe. Is that what it is, or is that the backyard brawl? Do we know? I think it's the Red River rivalry. It's between Texas and Oklahoma. Yes. Yes. Is that the Red River rivalry? Because the Red River separates Texas and Oklahoma. Listen, you know I'm not a geo guy, not a geography guy. Uh, Okay. But that's why you are here. I guess, yes. To let me know about geography. Why I'm paid $13.50 an hour. That's That's exactly why you are. Whoa. It's way more than me. I mean, what's <laughs> oh, well, no. <laughs> this is why they don't want to tell everybody what they get paid. <laughs> Anyways, um, so good morning. And we've got a lot to get to today. Um, we've got Pat Melicaro live from Toronto. And why is Pat Melicaro in Toronto? It's Toronto. It's Blue Jays Mariners. Game two. Mariners took game one yesterday, four to nothing on the road. So we'll talk to Pat, get it prepped up for that game. The Mets, the Mets also play today. And something happened to the Mets yesterday. The Mets got smoked yesterday. Max Scherzer, what's up with Max Scherzer? Makes making a lot of money, making a whole heck of a lot of money. Seven to one in Game One yesterday for you Mets fans out there. And I'm I'm, I'm trying to look Howard Simon in the face, but I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, but unfortunately for him and his New York Mets, a tough Game One. Jacob Degrom will be on the mound today for the Mets for redemption, sweet sweet redemption. And they'll have to get a Game Two win if they want to force a Game. Three And then elsewhere today, we've also got, well, our first game today, anyways, is going to be Tampa-Cleveland. Cleveland, the command, no, not the commanders, the Guardians. Guardians. I knew it was some terrible, terrible name. Uh, <clears throat> the Cleveland Guardians and the Tampa Bay Rays, they first pitch set for 12.07 on ESPN2. Uh, Cleveland took game one of that series yesterday, and uh, then at 7.30, well, the second game is going to be Pittsburgh, um, Seattle and Toronto 407 first pitch on ESPN from the Rogers Center. And then 737 first pitch for that. Manny Machado had a uh, two or three run shot, I think it was. Uh, tough day for Max Scherzer, giving up seven earned in that one. And then the night game, the nightcap. What a game that was yesterday. St. Louis and Philadelphia. St. Louis took a 2 nothing lead into the ninth inning. Philadelphia gets six straight runs. They win 6-2. to two. In St. Louis yesterday, so a big steal for Saint for uh, for Philadelphia in Game One. That's the nightcap tonight. And as I mentioned, Notre Dame tonight. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to preview the Notre Dame game. I know none of you give one damn. Well, some of you give a couple of dams about Notre Dame, but most of you, uh, I don't want you being mean to me in my mentions about about Notre Dame. So I won't I won't talk too much about him. But then uh, someone you haven't heard. I don't know if he's been on the station before, uh, but I've become a big fan of, uh, and it's Carl Jones who is a sports reporter for uh, News 8 in Rochester. And uh, they are the WROC CBS affiliate. And uh, Carl played for the University of Syracuse um, and has been, you know, following along, beat reporter for the Bills. Um, So I'm going to have him on. We're going to talk a little ball, talk about Cuse, because they are undefeated somehow, some way. Uh, Matt Lombardo of Heavy.com and Heavy NFL is going to join us. He's a senior NFL reporter. We're talking about whether or not it's time to let Russ cook, or is Russ cooked? Big difference there. So we'll talk about that 
at noon with Matt. And then at 12.30, my man John Scott from Spectrum TV. He covers the Buffalo Bills. We're going to talk more Bills and Steelers with John at 12.30. Then 1 o'clock, my man Christopher Carter. He is a beat writer for the Steelers. And uh, he is the host of Locked on Steelers. But he is, of course, the beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. So we've got Chris joining us here at 1 o'clock. So a jam-packed schedule. No punches being held today on this beautiful Saturday. If it's time to go out and go buy your, your cinnamon pine cones, it's time to go get some... I, like, this is the time. If you don't have your pumpkins yet, what are you waiting for? Go get your pumpkins. I hope Corey's bought his children pumpkins. They better have pumpkins at home. Not yet. What are you waiting for? For the pumpkins. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, but, you know, like Great Pumpkin Patch, are you going you, you gonna to take the kids there? Yeah, we might. Everybody, as you can tell, maybe by the sound. The of, voice is not the best. Yeah, we're all... You're still very handsome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, we all feel like garbage, so like it's a game-time decision. We got upper body issues. Yeah, upper, um, bo- upper body inflammation. That's right. We're day-to-day. Day-to-day. Week-to-week, maybe. Maybe. It just depends on which employer you're telling. You know, about. as soon as we get an update from the medical staff, we'll get it right to you. Right to me. Yeah, and, and hopefully it's not the same medical staff that, uh, that worked on Tyler, T- Tyrod Taylor. Um, because you know they and Justin Herbert, they and Justin Herbert, they they punctured his lung. (laughs) I can hear the the sound. (laughs) Punctured his lung. You know, I imagine it was a lot like Pulp Fiction. That's disgusting. You know, right where you know Vincent Vega has got to put the the thing right into the heart. Yeah, the what is is a a pure adrenaline? Yep, uh, into. Uh, what was her name? Uma Thurman. Uma Th- yeah, I, I, well, I know that's her name, but what's her what's her character's name in the Maud? I don't know where her name was. The, where did that come from? Where did that noise come from? Uh, it came from somewhere um, somewhere in between the two. I don't know. Are- I don't know what her character. I, I forget. Someone who's a Pulp Fiction fan is going to tweet. I mean, that's all that matters. Um, Gladys. But I, her but name I imagine. Was imagine just it was a lot of like you know he really had a, and then she rises. Anyways, yeah, that was my. Yeah, what's the of, opposite of that? That's what happened to that's Tyrod. What, yeah, the opposite happened to Tyrod Taylor. Poor Tyrod. Poo, again, I mean, gets to go in the game last week and plays like two plays and then leaves with a concussion and is out this week and won't be playing for the Giants. That means Danny Dimes back at the starting realm for the New York Giants. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting slate of football this week. And by interesting, I don't think it's particularly good um, for the NFL. There's not a lot of marquee matchups. The Bills and the Steelers, I if that's your marquee matchup of the weekend, you know, I'm... That's that's unfortunate. I mean, obviously the marquee matchup was Indy and Denver on Thursday night. I mean, oh man, what a terrible, terrible football game. Um, then tomorrow morning you've got Giants and Packers in London. Two straight weeks of 9:30 a.m. football. I can't really complain. It's the first time London will feature two teams with a winning record. Good for you, London. Good for you. You guys get to see the three and one New York Giants. <laughs> Even you, you finally get a, a two teams with a winning record, and one of them is the New York Giants, who won with a running back playing quarterback at the end of last week. I don't know how they're three and one, but they're going to win three games all season long, and they just happen to win three of their first four. Uh, Cleveland and Los Angeles, the Chargers. Um, I don't know what to make of either of those teams. Everybody thought the Chargers were going to be this great football team and they've been pretty lousy they're two and two Cleveland lost to the Falcons last week after Cordell Patterson their best player uh left in the second half um so yeah like not a lot of great matchups Seattle New Orleans no Miami New York the the Jets and and Dolphins I have a serious serious belief that the New York Jets are going to beat the Dolphins 
I, have, I just, I believe it with all of my being. Uh, oh, what about this barn burner? The Titans and the Commanders. Woo! Talk about speed. Talk about quarterback and finesse play. That's what you're going to get in that game. San Francisco, Carolina. God, there is not one good game tomorrow. Uh, Philadelphia, Arizona. In case you're looking for the battle of quarterbacks under five foot eight. Um, and then Sunday afternoon, Dallas, Los Angeles. The Rams and Cowboys. Maybe that's... Maybe one of the better matchups of the weekend. Um, then I look at that Sunday night game. That's probably the, maybe that's the matchup of the weekend. It's Cincinnati traveling to Baltimore. Both teams two and two. Whoever wins that game is likely going to take the division lead and probably won't look back. And then Monday night football. I don't know why they keep putting Kansas City and Las Vegas on Monday night in prime time. Nobody wants to watch the Las Vegas Raiders throw one high safeties out there and give up fifty. 55 points to the Kansas City Chiefs. No one wants to watch that in prime time. That could easily been buried in a 1 p.m. time slot on Sunday. So thanks a lot, ESPN. We appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, again, not a lot of good matchups this weekend um, across the league. Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Detroit, New England. I mean, that's also not a good matchup. I really like Detroit a lot. I, I, I like what they've been able to do offensively. I think they're maybe the best offensive football when all healthy. Um so yeah, it's not a great weekend to be in the NFL. Uh, it's if you're betting, I would bet a lot of unders because this looks like a lot of crappy football. Um, but again, I want to go on record. I think the New York Jets are going to beat the Miami Dolphins come Sunday at one o'clock. CBS broadcast, by the way. You won't watch it though because you'll be watching the Bills game, of course. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Those are your numbers to call if you so choose. If you want to give me a call, tell me something about your day, your weekend, what you got on the smoker. I'll listen to what you got on the smoker this weekend. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, let's go to the Western Hotline, though, because from the great north, in one of the greatest cities in all of the world, from Toronto, Pat Malacaro joining me here on the West Her Hotline. Pat, it is great to hear from you, my friend. Thanks for uh, for shooting me a text and letting me know that you're in Toronto so I can have you on the show uh, to talk a little ball because you and I have not had a chance to talk baseball in some time, my friend. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to, to chat with you here today. I mean, unfortunately for the Blue Jays, it was yeah. uh, you know a, a down day yesterday, but uh, you know it's postseason baseball. It's a great time of year. October is one of the best months. That, you know, once you get all the all four major sports yep. going, so. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, like I said, down day for the Blue Jays yesterday, but glad to chat with you today. Yeah, a down day for sure. They didn't get a, they didn't score a run yesterday, Pat. And I mean, an offense right now that I think you really have to rely on if you're Toronto against a Seattle team that maybe surprised some people this year. Uh, like, what did you learn from game one? And what maybe you want to preview the matchup at pitcher, too, particularly Robbie Ray, who, you know, maybe wasn't the most household name coming into this season, uh, struggled towards the end of this season, towards the regular season, but really came out and was, was on some people's Cy Young shortlists. Yeah, and really yesterday what I learned was Luis Castillo is as advertised. I mean, he had yeah. two fastballs, the two-seamer, the four-seamer. I mean, he had the, the, the power sinker work in yesterday. And somebody who relied on the fastball, just you know, reading about it a little bit more, relied on it more than he probably did in the regular season, but it worked. And you, you mentioned Robbie Ray. Look, he won the Cy Young last year with the Blue Jays uh, in the yep. offseason. He, he, he decided to go to Seattle. There were a lot of reasons for it. And as a result, Kevin Gosman was the pitcher that was brought in to replace him. So you've got not only the matchup of a guy who uh, won the Cy Young with the Blue Jays last year, trying to eliminate them from the playoffs today, but you also have the pitcher that replaced Robbie Ray in the rotation going for Toronto. So it should be a fun pitching matchup. It's one of those where Kevin Gosman might, might not be a household name uh, for, for just your average baseball fan for having 
pitched for Baltimore for a lot of his career and then a little bit with Atlanta and, and then out in San Francisco. But he is as steady a pitcher for Toronto as, as had this year. Uh, maybe b- besides Alec Manoa's 31 starts, you know, he, he gets all the headlines. But Kevin Gosman has just gone out and pitched really well for Toronto this year. Yeah, here's the funny thing about Seattle. I, you know, they, they remind me, Pat, a lot of the 2015 New York Mets with the with the pitching rotation that they threw out there. Now, of course, my Royals, uh, they got the best of them that year. Sorry, Howard, if you're listening on your way home. Um, but they remind me a lot of that pitching staff. And when you look throughout the lineup for Seattle, they have one 30 home run hitter and only two guys with 80 RBIs or more this season. They are not the, the kind of killer lineup. They have no guys in their starting lineup right now that have a 300 or more batting average. They really kind of lay on the back of this amazing pitching staff. And in a three-game series, that's what will win. And that's what we saw yesterday, right? I mean, basically every game had at least one, if not both of the pitchers, pitch very well. Uh, you look to the first game of the day that set the tone in Cleveland between the Guardians and the Rays where they – three total runs on two home runs. So in this short three-game window of a wild-card round where it's, it, all three games are in the, in the city of the, the higher seed, pitching is probably going to win out. So unfortunately for Toronto yesterday, you had Alex Manoa maybe a little too hyped up, and you had somebody like Luis Castillo also in his yeah. uh, you know, first start in, in the postseason but managed it maybe a little bit better than Manoa did, and, and that's what happened. And yeah, you got Robbie Ray today, and then you know, this pitching staff for for the Mariners, their their bullpen is just as good at at times. So, and they were lights out yesterday, not allowing the Blue Jays anything with less than two outs. So, uh, it's not going to be an easy task, but. Uh, that's kind of what you'd expect in a three-game series. Let's go to the NL, Pat, and let's talk a little bit about this Mets-San Diego Padres series and maybe a bit of a, su- a surprise for folks to to see Max Scherzer get shelled for seven earned yesterday. Uh, the, obviously, the Mets lose 7-1 to one to San Diego. Um, that game is a 730, uh, 7-37 first pitch tonight. Um, is, is this going to be a one-and-done Mets team? And if that is the case... What does that mean for this offseason? Because I think everyone was sort of penciling them in um, to be maybe the biggest matchup to the Dodgers in the NL. Um, and then the trade deadline happened, and they really were not the same team post-trade deadline. And Atlanta obviously nipped at their heels the entire time and finally took them over the last week of the year. Um, tough, end the way, tough way to end the season for the Mets. It would be even tougher if they don't win a playoff game. Yeah, especially after winning 101 games this past year, right? And and again, it comes down to pitching. You've got Jacob Degrom on the hill today. It was, you know, a big secret on who would start Game Two, and a lot of it depended on who who would win uh, Game One. And you're right. I mean, for Max Scherzer yesterday, you don't expect uh, the future Hall of Famer to give up four home runs. Yeah. Um, you know, just he didn't have it yesterday. That happens over the course of a year, right? Unfortunately for Scherzer, it, it happened in probably the biggest game uh, of the year for the Mets. Um, and it's not going to be easy. You've got, you know, Juan Soto didn't get going offensively yesterday. He was held hitless, and the Padres still pound out four home runs. It was a lot of the, crazy. the players that have come over in, in trades in, in the last year or so that were the ones that contributed the most yesterday. So, yeah, if you're looking at San Diego, they're a team that they weren't even in, you know, the division talk with, with the NL West because the Dodgers ran away with it so early in the year. But they've just gone about, and, and they have a team that can – just hang with you, and and that's you know you Darvish pitched so well last night. We talked again about pitching, and when that happens, look now Jacob Degrom has to go out and throw, uh, you know, as good of a game as we we've seen him throw. But you know he and he and Scherzer down the stretch, you just at times they didn't look like 
the, the dominant guys that, that we've seen over the years. So can he find it for today is the big question. Yeah, Scherzer comes into that game with a two two nine ERA and gets shelled for four home runs. Just not what you're expecting if you're a Mets fan, unless you're a Mets fan, because then if you're a Mets fan, you probably actually were expecting that exact outcome to happen. Um, sort of reminds me of like how Bills fans have felt for the better part of the last two or three decades. But, um, Pat, you know, Kind of looking at um, the evening game as well tonight, the the eight thirty seven p.m. Uh, first pitch, St. Louis Philadelphia. I was surprised to see Philadelphia squeak their way into that final uh, wild card spot, and I think for me, Pat, Philadelphia, they're down two nothing all game. Really found nothing with the bat, and then it came alive in the top of the ninth, and they win. End up winning yesterday six to two to, to I would say steal game one from St. Louis. Um, you're not expecting this Phillies team to to pull this one out tonight and, and win in two, are you? No, and I, I don't mean to take anything away from the Phillies, but the implosion yes. by the Cardinals yes. in that ninth inning last night, yesterday afternoon, was so surprising, not just because you know they were 93-0 and going into yesterday in the postseason leading after eight, but you just don't expect a team like St. Louis to, to just lose it so quickly and have it unravel so, so fast. You, you have you know your best reliever on the mound, and then you find out he's been having issues feeling the baseball with his finger, and that may have led to some of it yesterday. And uncharacteristic mistakes, the ball gets past Nolan Arenado, who's maybe the best third baseman in baseball. And, and just in the moment, that play happens. So I don't expect – I expect St. Louis to bounce back today. But, again, you know, when you, you just don't know it sometimes in a short series and guys that haven't been in the situation before – you don't know how they're going to react. And that's kind of how it went yesterday for a team like the Phillies. You know, it's the old cliche. They had, they had nothing to lose going to the ninth inning yesterday. And, and you've got some young players that I saw play in the last year and a half in Lehigh Valley in AAA baseball that came up big for the team. So, um, you know, it's, it's just sometimes guys with just a carefree attitude sneak their way in. They're playing with house money. I know these are all cliches, but there is something to it. So the uh, first matchup of the day, Pat, it's going to be Tampa and Cleveland in Cleveland. It's a 12.07 first pitch. Um, thoughts on that game, that game one, the Guardians pulling one out. Um, I, I got to say, like both teams, the Rays are, are, are just kind of a team that are built for October. Um, don't let them get to October and, and pull games out that they shouldn't win late. Um, so they did. I thought the Guardians did a good job, um, you know, fending them off yesterday and, and getting that win in game one. What are your thoughts about that series as a whole? Yeah, I, I going in this one, I thought Cleveland would, would end up out on top. I, I just Tampa Bay hasn't looked like the Tampa Bay Rays over the last couple of weeks going to the end of the regular season. And, you know, I just, I thought they kind of, they, they could be here in Toronto right now. They, they could have been hosting but this, the, the wild card round, but they kind of just didn't have it over the final month of the season. And you have Shane Bieber, who can pitch so well. Right. It would be Tristan McKenzie today. Um, you know, these are, this is not easy. Again, it comes back to pitching for me. And I think I, I would expect Cleveland to close it out today. And for Tampa Bay, look, they've had a nice season, but I, I think they just down the stretch have really started to fade and you're, you saw that yesterday, not really getting anything going offensively. Yeah, and, and lastly, Pat, just kind of talking broadly about the new the new postseason bracket and the new postseason mm-hmm. structure. Um, you know, 
Do, do you like it? I, I mean, as, as a broad question, only only because it, it feels like, you know, all these matchups are set and, you know, you're not getting the lowest seed facing the highest seed and having them re-scramble each round. Um, so you know that the winner of Cleveland-Tampa Bay is going to play the Yankees um, in the ALDS. You know who the winner of Seattle and Toronto is playing Houston, who's a, still a... I don't know, just a powerhouse in the AL. Um, and, you know, winner of San Diego, New York is going to be L.A. And then St. Louis in Philadelphia, which I would love to see a Phillies and, uh, and Braves series if the, if the Phillies could find a way to, to, to pull one out tonight. Um, but overall, your, your thoughts on the new format? I don't like the fact that there's no reseeding. I, 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 I get it. I understand it. But at the end of the day, when I look at this and say, okay, if, Tampa Bay were to find a way to win that series against Cleveland, they should have to play Houston in the next round. You're, you're, you're kind of putting the, the four or five matchup and the Blue Jays and, and, and Mariners kind of in a tough spot because they have to go play the, the highest seed left when I just, I'm conditioned to think that it should be the lowest seed facing the highest seed left. And um, you know, it, it just, that doesn't feel right to me, but I like this new format. I was always a big fan of the one game wild card and thought a, could have been a three-game series. I got the other arguments why it wasn't because you know you build in that all that uh, the, the raw emotion of a one-game series, but three games in one city and then moving on to the next round. I think this is a, a fun format and for fans. Look, more teams get in, but it's still not half of baseball. It's still a, a smaller group of teams making the playoffs. I I like this format. Maybe a tweak here or there, but uh, you know going forward, I think this is going to be a fun way to to watch postseason baseball. Yeah, I do too. And, and, the, and the big reason, Pat, is, uh, you know, the one-game playoff, I get the emotion of it. But, you know, to play 162 games and to have it to be rewarded with a one-game do-or-die scenario, I never I, – I just – I didn't love that idea for the team that lost. Like, man, you got one game to, to – play. you had 162 games to get one game to show. Um, you know, and you know in baseball, things happen. Crazy randomness happens. I just think um, it was kind of a – it was a difficult format for teams that, that – play such a long season only to get one game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier. And timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 
Yeah, and, and the funny thing was, you know, you, you look back on the history of it, and I'm just going off the top of my head, but it, it seemed like the road team uh, fared a lot better than you probably would have expected in a one-game winner-take-all scenario. Um, you, you kind of would have expected the home team to just dominate um, in, in the five or six years that that format was in play, but uh, it seemed like the road team wasn't at a disadvantage. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Yesterday in, in this new format, three of the four road teams won. So if three of the four road teams win on the road, having to win potentially three games uh, away from home, uh, I think that'll be an interesting you know, thing to track over the next couple of years. All right, Pat, appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy the game this afternoon, and uh, great talking to you, man. It was, uh, it was a real pleasure, and uh, we'll be hearing your voice very soon as the Sabre season comes along, eh? Thanks. Sounds great, Nate. Yep, can't, can't wait to get back to the ice next week. Have a oh, good day. Thanks, Pat. Pat Melicaro there. On the Wester Hotline, Pat WGR is his Twitter handle. If you don't follow him, get there and follow the man. The voice of the Bisons, by the way, Pat Mellicrow. We're going to take a timeout. Carl Jones joining us next. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bills' defensive backfield, getting a sort of progress report from Carl Jones. That's coming up next. By the way, before we go to break, Mia Wallace. That was her name from, from Pulp Fiction, Mia Wallace, Uma Thurman. There you go. I'm here for the facts. Sports Talk Saturday. Rolling on next on WGR. Catch the Football Friday Roundtable every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. with Chopin the Bulldog. Brought to you by Dunn Tire, official tire dealer of the Buffalo Bills. All right, y'all, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday rolling on as is tradition. And as is tradition, we're going to go to the West Her Hotline, our second guest. Usually in the time slot, our first guest is in. But we talked to Pat Malacaro a little bit uh, in our previous segment about the Major League Baseball playoffs and to talk some Buffalo Bills. Carl Jones joins me from the uh, from News 8 in Rochester on our West Her Hotline. Carl, thanks so much for joining me, man. And uh, congrats. This is your first time on the show. How's it feel? Do you, do you want to take a couple minutes to talk about, you know, like how great it is to be here? You know, that, that old spiel. What do you want to do? Well, once again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, when, you, when you reached out, I was like, wait, wait, is this Nate Geary really talking to me? I'm like, hold on, is this, does he know who he's talking to right now? But no, I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm hoping to have some fun here. Absolutely, man. Well, Q's legend, Carl Jones, that is. Listen, I, that's where I'm going to have to ask you because, you know, we got Jeremy White here, who's a Syracuse alum. Sal Capaccio here is a Syracuse alum. And um, all of them have been pretty mum. I think they're trying to not talk about Syracuse football um, because they don't. They feel like the vibes are too good right now. They don't want to, like, ruin it by talking about it or thinking about it too much. Um but, yeah, man, the vibes are really, like, all there right now for the Syracuse Orange. They're on their bye week this week. They come back next week and face an NC State game, and, and then they follow that up by playing Clemson. So we're about to find out really soon what this Q's team's all about, right? Yeah, if Sal doesn't want to talk about the Orange, I'll be more than glad to do so. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been exciting to see them uh, get back to where we should be. Uh, I was there on the 2018 team when uh, we went bowling. It was a 10 3 season, and it was fun. Ecstatic! Uh, all of you know, campus was fun, and in the national level, was fun that year. And this year, they're, they're doing it the same exact way. Obviously, uh, the offense has some guys led by Sean Sucker and Gary Schrader in the backfield, and then the defense. You know, I'm a little biased, so I'm going to always root for those guys back there. And they've been doing their thing. But like you said, though, they got a, a nice home stretch here with NC State going to Clemson and then Notre Dame in three consecutive weeks. It's, it's going to get rough real quick. 
Carl, I want to ask you about Garrett Schrader because I think he kind of came out of nowhere this year. The transfer from Mississippi State coming from the SEC to the ACC. How much has his like veteran presence totally brought a a, a level of confidence and and steadiness to the Syracuse offense in this um I don't know, because at the end of the day, when I started the year watching Cuse, I, I, I've got to say, like, you know, I'm thinking Tommy DeVito, okay, he's in Illinois now, like, what are they going to do with the quarterback position? He walked in, and he's really kind of solidified himself as, you know, maybe one of the best Syracuse quarterbacks outside of Ryan Nassib in the last decade. Yeah, he's a, just a calming presence. Like, when you when you get a chance to meet him, like, he's a, a southern guy, so he's, you know, a nice calming guy, not too rah-rah, up, up or down, he's just going to be himself, and I think that really helps when you're out there on the football field when things can get a little chaotic and he's just going to be his uh, his mellow self. Um, and it kind of helps with Sean Sucker as well because Sean Sucker sure. the same exact way, which is down to earth. But he does a great job of leading that offense. So he's the guy who's, you know, you know what you're going to get at all times while the guys on the other side of the ball on defense are the raw raw guys who can pick up the, uh, the slack on that uh, that end of the Listen, I'm going to be cheering for Syracuse next week when they face NC State. Hopefully they can pull out a big win over the number 14 team in the country, and then they can follow it up with a win on the road in Clemson. I'm all about that. But then that, that, that next week, October 29th at the Dome, I'll be there for that Notre Dame game. That's, that's where my, my allegiance flips and flips pretty hard, man. I'm a big, I'm a big Irish fan, uh, big game tonight uh, against the Mormons of BYU, and I intend to watch my boys beat them down on national TV and get themselves back into the national spotlight here of some respect because I'll tell you what, they're going to walk into the Dome and they're not going to be favored, and that's going to be a weird, weird feeling for me. I mean, I, I, was, I was around. I was heartbroken the year that Syracuse walked in and hit that game-winning field goal um, in Notre Dame Stadium a couple years back, and uh, I, I intend to get a little – I feel like I want to exact some revenge in the Dome come a couple weeks from now. <laughs> I love to hear that. Actually, my best friend uh, played for Notre Dame, uh, Sean Crawford, is a DD for them. For, oh, uh, I know Sean. Years. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big fan of Sean, man. Talk about a guy – who just like went through so many different obstacles in his course of his career at Notre Dame, just injuries and always kind of made it back. No matter what injury he had the year prior, he came back in better shape, ready to roll the next season. Um, sort of the epitome of Notre Dame football. He's um, any, any true Notre Dame fan um, is a big, big fan of Sean Crawford and how much he impacted that program. Yeah. And, and big fan of his as well. Obviously my best friend. So we've had that October 29th day circle for a while now and, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not claiming nor denying that we have a little friendly wager on the game, but let's just say I'll have my, all my eyes and ears will be locking on that game. For sure. Listen, if you got to wear some Notre Dame attire uh, on TV the following week, let me know. I got, I'll send you some stuff in the mail. That's an easy trip to. It's an easy trip to Rochester for me to drop some stuff off for you. So just let your boy know if like you need some Notre Dame gear and swag. Let me know because I'll I'll make sure you're wearing it for your next broadcast after that game. You know, I, I'll keep that in mind. For sure. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Carl Jones here on our Western Hotline. You can see Carl on Twitter at Jones11. It's underscore after the 11. And he, of course, is a sports reporter for News 8 Rochester. Um, so, Carl, I wanted to ask you and kind of lean into your expertise a little bit um, and ask you about this Bills defensive backfield. And, and obviously, no Jordan Poyer this week. And, and you don't need to be an expert um, to tell you how that might impact what the Bills do defensively. But where I wanted to kind of start with you is the rookie corners. And I want to start with Kyer Elam because he's going to be the guy that, that that's playing and, and healthy and available for this game. And, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, a first-round pick that comes into a situation where he's kind of expecting to at least have an opportunity to be a, to be a starter, especially while Trey White's out, and then to kind of not – I don't want to say lose that job. I want to just say that Christian Benford won it. 
because um, I, I don't think Kyer Elam did anything wrong. I don't think Kyer Elam did anything to lose it. I just, I just think that Christian Bedford did everything to win that respect and to win that starting nod in weeks one and weeks two. But talk to me about Elam and what you've seen and, and how, how difficult it must have been to be that first-round pick and to watch a six-round pick start over you and, and maybe not have it affect you emotionally, physically, and mentally. Well, cornerback is such an emo- emotional, mental position. I know that we all like to talk about, you know, the – the physical capabilities of that position, but just the demand mentally snap in, snap out. It's just you and that person across from you every single snap. And unfortunately, it's the one position on the field, maybe outside of quarterback, when you mess up, all 60,000 people in the, in the stadium know it was your fault. So for him to battle that aspect on the field and then, like you said, be a first-round pick and not win the job right out, uh, was probably definitely uh, mentally taxing on him in that regard. And also, coming out of college, Kyrie was more of like a press man. You know, we all know mm-hmm. about his physical uh, gifts. And Christian Benford, um, playing at Nova, you know, he, he leaned into his, his own expertise a little bit. So that probably was a bigger learning curve, curve for, okay. from, for Kyrie. Coming out of the SEC where it's just press man, get in your face, and let's just run around and play track all day. So it, it, was, it was, still is a learning curve for Kyrie because they're still easing him in in that regard. But um, I'm happy with the things that I've seen from him so far. They're not asking him to do a lot, but he hasn't really uh, faltered in any way so far. That's such a great point, Carl. Like, thinking about... You know, Elam walking into a system that that is really entrenched in playing zone coverage and and understanding leverage and knowing where and where not to be and knowing when and when not to peek into the backfield and and at the quarterback and and I think with Benford he sort of just walked in with those instincts already there and you know I I think if if you were a if you were someone this season that that thought well the Bills really need a corner and someone that that can be a long term answer at the number two uh, number two corner position across from Tre'Davious White I think you might look at a guy like Kyrie Elam and say like give me the guy that can play press man give me the guy that can run with guys I'll teach him how to play zone because then that gives you like the you know, it's surprising to a lot of people because of Sean McDermott's zone-heavy system and, and Leslie Frazier's scheme and how, how, how much they really rely on those, those four-deep and two-deep looks. Like, the idea that you're going to bring a guy in here with those man instincts, they ran a lot of man coverage at the end of last year, even when Trey went, went down, Carl. So, like, it, it would appear to me that they wanted to be more multiple, be, be, a little bit, be able to disguise their coverages a little bit more, and when they want to, be able to run press man and man coverage um, when, when they want to be able to do it. And, and I think... You know, the idea of drafting Elam was exciting to me because he gave them that. But what a great point about why maybe, you know, Benford got the nod early is just because of his familiarity with the zone and, and maybe his comfort and ease um, coming to the pro game, even from uh, an FBS program, FCS program, I should say. There's not a defensive coordinator on the planet who doesn't want to be diverse and wants to be multiple. So I know Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier love their zone looks, especially that collapsing zone that they like to run where they really, you know, are on top of you and not giving away anything easy. But if you have a guy like Kyrie, because I'm, I'm of the belief it's much easier to teach someone to play zone than it is, man. I think yep. you either can play or you can't. Like, this is the God-given gifts that you're given. And they were like, okay, let's find a guy who's, you know, a little, a little tall, rangy, obviously, with his long arms as well. And be like, all right, we can't teach him to play this press, man. This is just a God-given gift, especially in the SEC where he's playing the best of the best week in and week out. We'll teach him. We trust our coaching enough to make him um, get to the level that we desire in his zone scheme and hopefully get to a point where, you know what, on certain downs, hey, Kyrie, go guard your guy. Uh, Trey White, go guard your guy. And we'll let all pro Paul and Micah do their thing on the back end. So I think they were definitely excited with that pick last April. So looking at this matchup this week, Carl, with with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and obviously no T.J. Watt, and that – 
the, the Steelers have not won a game in the T.J. Watt era that he has not dressed up and played for. So that, that should tell you everything you need to know about what his impact is on that Steelers defense, not just on the defense, but on, on that team as a whole. They go as T.J. Watt goes. But Micah Fitzpatrick's no slump either. And when you look at that defensive backfield and what he's able to do, and obviously in week one, you know, has that interception uh, pick six against Joe Burrow. And um, he's just one of the more dynamic guys in the league. But, you know, with and without T.J. Watt, the things he's able to do with T.J. Watt in the lineup compared to what he's not, um, I mean, it is noticeable. But talk about the challenge that that Fitzpatrick poses against this Bills offense, especially with no uh, Dawson Knox. Mika Fitzpatrick is one of one. Like I know that we're talking about versatility and chess pieces. Well, the Steelers got the one in Minka. Uh, I remember him when he was at Alabama, and Nick Saban would have him sometimes lined up at Mike. Middle linebacker, deep safety, in the slot as like corner, Nick. Like he plays everywhere, and he does the same exact thing for the Steelers. Uh, Josh Allen's going to have to know where he is every single snap just because of that dynamic ability to take the ball away on any given snap if you make a mistake. So, uh, Dawson Knox, with him not being available, you know, the middle of the field might be a little bit more vulnerable. And when Josh Allen goes to that, targets that area of the field, he's going to have to know where, <laughs> where 39 is. There's, you know, an errant throw or a bad read. And, I think 39 uh, can house it the other way. Carl, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me here uh, on Sports Talk Saturday. Let's do it again soon, man. Uh, and make sure you get your you get your Irish gear ready for October 29th because I got I got good feelings. Uh, my Irish are going to find a way to pull a, a, an upset out at the Dome. So I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, keep up the great work, man. I, I, uh, I appreciate what you do, and uh, let's do this again soon. For sure. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me on, and go Orange. All right, buddy. Carl Jones there on our Wester hotline from News 8 Rochester. You can follow him on Twitter at Jones11 underscore. Very knowledgeable. Good young man coming up in the industry. Uh, happy to have him on the show. Working over in Rochester. Met him at training camp this year and, and been wanting to get him on the show. Him, As he mentioned, his best friend Sean Crawford for Notre Dame. They have a podcast together. It's fantastic. Make sure you give it a listen. All right, going to take a time out. On the other side, we got John Price uh, coming up. Give us this weekend's betting information. So that's all coming up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 